Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Miley Iski about why questions are so important in teams, businesses, and in life. Miley Iski, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John, so much. Yeah, I'm excited to meet with you and have a nice conversation. Today, we're going to be exploring the importance of questions, asking lots and lots of questions and being constantly curious why questioning is so important in teams and businesses and just in life in general. Uh, as we get started, I wanted to share Miley's bio with everybody. After 14 years in corporate America, Miley Iski embarked on a journey to improve her health and do a lot less of what was expected and more of what she enjoyed. She discovered her gifts in writing and teaching, but would not trade all of those years of experience for anything. Everything works together to support her interest in people across so many walks of life. Her coaching program is designed for new leaders who are left without any training to navigate the transition from expert to leader. She finds that we expect everyone to know everything when we really need to ask more questions. I love that. Um, <laughs> I, I completely agree. I think we have a huge problem uh, across most organizations where people have certain levels of expertise in their, in their field. And because of that, they get promoted. And then all of a sudden they find themselves in leadership positions uh, and they have no idea what they're doing. Uh, and, and they've never been trained uh, and it's just kind of assumed that they're going to be able to figure it out. And it's right. a completely different skill set, being able to be it an is. effective leader versus being an expert in XYZ field, right? It is. It is. And they, they refuse to leave that expert role because it's so uncomfortable. You know, it's like just being thrown out in the middle of a lake and good luck. And many of them don't make it because of it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I've mentioned it before on the podcast. And I always tell my students um, this as well. And they think it's funny, but um, there's the, the old principle, the Peter principle, which many listeners I'm sure have heard about uh, being promoted to your level of incompetence. Mm -hmm. And I often give the example of Michael Scott from the show, the office um, who is a, who's the best salesperson gets promoted to be the office manager. And all of a sudden, you know, he's the bumbling idiot, uh, in the TV right. show where he just walks around trying to do all these things. He has no idea what he's doing. That's right. a classic kind of caricature of, of that example of, of the Peter principle in action. But in reality, it plays out in organizations all the time, maybe not in such a humorous way, not such a, you know, uh, obviously, you know, uh, caricature kind of a way, but it, it does happen all the time. And so to your point, uh, the transition from expert to leader is a hard one. And it requires, this may be counterintuitive to a lot of people, but it requires giving up some power. It requires um, sharing 
that power with others and, and empowering other people on your team to leverage their expertise to help the team be successful. Right. Yet what so many leaders do, what so many new leaders do, you know, who haven't been successful transitioning from that expert role is they just try to do everything. They just, right. they think that they're the expert. They're the ones that know what to do. And so everything funnels through them. They become a huge bottleneck. They stifle innovation. They stifle creativity. People don't like working for them because they feel micromanaged and it just becomes a huge, huge problem. Well, and I think the, the biggest problem with that is you've got to learn how to cast that vision. Get yourself out of the way and get far enough in front of the team that you're not in today. If you're in today, you're not leading. So I like to take that org chart and turn it 90 degrees to the right so that the guy at the top is out in front, not on top, because he's in front in time. So if he's worrying about today or this week or this month, we're in trouble because he better be far enough out to be anticipating where we're going. So that vision has got to draw everybody forward. And then I can't worry about today because I have my own stuff to worry about. And I'm teaching and I'm training and I'm giving other people what I know. And it's not job security to hold on to what my knowledge currently is. I better be going for the next rung in mastering my role while I'm equipping them to do their roles. And I think culturally we've lost the, the love of learning because we're not teaching each other. And that happens in the home, that happens in our churches, that happens in, you know, school is supposed to be education, but that's not necessarily what you tell me as much as what you teach me to do with that information. And then we carry that into the workplace. So we're missing yeah. some steps here. And I think it's cultural. So if I'm a leader, all of a sudden I'm supposed to know everything. Where'd that come from? I, I know less about what's going on if I'm a brand new leader than I did yesterday before I was promoted. Yeah. But somebody better be asking me questions and I better be asking questions of the people either above me or in front of me or whatever you want to call it. And we see that in politics. We see that everywhere. Nobody's asking anybody anything. Yeah. We're just assuming people are acting the way they're supposed to. Well, they're not. Yeah, well, and and what I often see is I think people know that they should at least be perceived as asking questions. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a new leader um, coming in to a position, uh, often they'll say they're doing a listening tour and they're going to spend a month or two months going around talking to everyone, trying to get the lay of the land. And I think that's great. I think people should be doing listening tours. I think they should be asking lots of questions. The reality though, from what I've seen, when, when I've seen people do that is they're not really doing it to understand. They're doing right. it to give off the impression that they're listening, right. um, but they really come in with their own agenda. They're not really asking thoughtful questions. They're not actively listening and, and paying attention to the input of the, the people um, that they're meeting with. And so it's just all this facade. Um, and, and people can see through that a mile away. And so then it just, it undermines your credibility and, and the trust that people may be able to develop or not develop with you. Um, and so what, what you're suggesting, and what I would also suggest is that you have to do that, but do it authentically. And it can't be, you know, okay, I'm going to spend my first two weeks or my first month trying to learn the lay of the land. Like if you're a leader, you're constantly asking questions. I don't care if you've been in that position for a month, a year, five years, 
asking questions is part of what it means to be a leader, leaning on the expertise of your people. And the only way you can do that is by asking really great questions. Right. So the first, the first step I made into management was from a development role into customer service as a first line manager, two different corporations. So everything was new. And I went to my senior manager and I said, can I just go down there and spend my day with the team leaders? And he's like, yeah, they'd love it. You know, so I didn't go down and drill them. I went down to observe what in the world do you guys do all day? And what are, what do the teams struggle with? What, what are these customers? I mean, I understood enterprise support, but how does this work? What tools do you use and how do you use those tools? And are those tools even effective? Because if they're not, we got to fix that. So that was my first probably six weeks as a brand new manager. And I listened and I asked questions and I said, why are we doing that? You know, and they would say, we don't know. So I would go back to my manager and say, did you know this is going on? And he says, no. So as we started to figure out what the issues were, then as we hired, we fixed some of the issues. And then we were on a better track. And we tried to go for a combination of people we promoted from within and people we brought in from the outside. And as long as everybody was open to learning, we were okay. And if we ended up with somebody who knew everything, it wasn't long and that person was kind of moved out of the way. Because if you get somebody in there who's the consummate expert, the learning stops because all of a sudden everybody thinks they're supposed to know everything and it doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, very good. So I think we've already started to lay the foundation for, you know, the question of why, why questioning, why are questions so important? Um, and really, it does come back to leadership for sure. I think every good leader needs to be curious, inquisitive, asking lots of questions. And it's a really great way of empowering uh, your people and uh, generating buy-in amongst your people. Um, but asking questions is important I think in every walk of life, uh, whether yes. we're talking about leading teams, we're talking about a, a more senior executive level types of positions, running businesses, or just in our personal life and the relationships that we have with others. So what types of questions do you find to be the most effective? Uh, obviously, specific questions depend on the context of the situation. Sure. But, but like, if we're framing how questions work and like the, the types and style of questions that are going to be most effective, what would those look like? Well, I think the biggest thing that I want to do as a leader is I want to separate the work from the person. So if I'm asking a question, I'm asking about the work because then there's a safety there. If something goes wrong and it's something about the work, the person will tell you the truth. If you come across as what's wrong with you, that wall goes up and there's no information coming out. It's not going to happen. So I always want to make sure that they realize that if, you know, the call volume is spiking, we were in customer support. I want to know what the system is doing. And this actually happened. I walked out to one of my team leaders. I said, what's going on? She said, we can't pick up the calls. Now, that's kind of a problem in an inbound call center. And we found out that the guy who was working on the phones had tried something. It broke the whole system for everybody. We bounced the system and we went on. Now, what would they have done if I hadn't walked out there and asked? I don't know. I don't have time to figure out what would have happened, but I was focused on what was going on in the operation. And I also was available. I wasn't sitting in meetings. And that was one thing that I saw across different cultures, across different corporations. The higher you were, the more you sat in meetings. 
Were those meetings necessary? I don't know. But I know as a first line manager, if you're spending more than a couple hours a day in meetings, you probably are not necessary. And your team feels that. They wish you would just go away rather than just showing up and <laughs> everything up. They really do. So yeah. my questions are more about how can I help you? What obstacle is between you and where we're going? And my focus is on the work. And it works. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's great. Um, and so really, we just, um, again, have an inquisitive mind, mm -hmm. we need to approach the challenges we face with an organization from a perspective, you know, from a framing of intellectual humility and recognizing that we probably don't have it all figured out. Right. I don't care if you have 20, 30 years of experience at top level organizations and you're a rock star. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have it all figured out. You right. talk to the, the best leaders. Um, you look at someone, I mean, we, we could critique someone like Elon Musk and say, you know, um, pros and cons of their of his leadership style. But one thing that you you have to admit with Elon Musk uh, is that he's inquisitive. Like he's constantly he pushing. He's asking questions. Same yep. with all the big um, the big global leaders uh, in industry and in governments, uh, wherever you, you may be looking. Uh, they're they're constantly asking questions. They don't feel like they have arrived. They don't think they've figured it out. They're constantly trying to push the envelope, and they're never stagnating. Um, and so, you know, as as we check ourselves and our biases and make sure that we're not um, leaning too much on our our own understanding, assuming you know that we, we have it figured out when we don't, um, then we can we can ask the thoughtful questions and avoid the the trap of those unasked questions. I, I think so often people just kind of assume they, they think through all the things that need to happen and they think of the, the roadblocks, the obstacles, they try to think about stakeholders, they, they try to do, a, you know, they'll do a SWOT analysis, whatever, they'll try to figure out and look at it from all these different angles. In th going through those processes, assuming someone's really being thoughtful and going through that thorough process, there inevitably are going to be a whole bunch of questions that come to mind that they think they already know, they think they've already figured it out. Right. Um, and so they never ask. The unasked questions is the biggest danger point because inevitably there will be things that you miss um, because you don't have the expertise in all of the areas that you're leading. Right. Well, and I think that that's especially true in problem solving because what we're finding, as, you, as we observe everything, whether it's news stories, life outside the window, whatever, we're solving the wrong problem because we're not asking the questions. So if I start with a statement from you, a problem statement, whatever you say, and my first response is why? And you answer that question, and I do that four more times, and that question changes or your answer changes, the problem changes now maybe we're closer to what the real problem is. Instead of going down the completely wrong road, wasting time, wasting money, and then we have to come all the way back to the beginning again and start again because we went the wrong way. So if we're not really clear on what our problem statement is, what are we doing? And in all honesty, the answer is we're wasting time. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, 
the alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, I think we are wasting a lot of time. We do spend a lot of time uh, chasing the wrong thing. We, we spend a lot of time playing whack-a-mole, putting band-aids yep. on problems yep. with, instead, of, you know, instead of drilling down. So you think of the, the iceberg metaphor that I'm sure everyone's heard a, a thousand yep. times, but it, it, it rings so true. And this honestly is what I see in organizations most of the time. Most of the change initiatives, most of the, the revisions to policy and practice, most of, uh, the adjustments that are attempted to be made are, are simply um, the symptoms of the, the underlying problems. They never get below the surface. They yep. never ask the, the hard questions in part, maybe because we don't know how in part, maybe because we're a little bit lazy in part, because we're fearful of what the answer will be when we ask the hard questions. Mm -hmm. uh, but regardless of the reason they don't get asked and we just put band-aids on stuff and and move from one uh, surface level symptom to another over and over again. And I mean, that's that's the epitome of of just um, nonsense leadership. It's not leadership. You're you're simply being reactive to to things as they pop up instead of looking at the the foundation, the underlying um, causes. Uh, of, of what's happening. And that's why we need a systems thinking approach, a holistic approach to understanding right. organizations and change management, organizational development, so that we can drive long-term sustainable change and address the root causes of the presenting challenges and problems that we have. And that will not happen unless we're asking lots of questions constantly. Um, doing the internal research that needs to happen so we know what's going on within the organization and then being secure enough and comfortable enough in our own skin as a leader to recognize that maybe we messed up, maybe we did something wrong and it's okay to admit that as right. long as you're trying to, to fix it, right? Um, so often leaders uh, will simply uh, avoid acknowledging a problem because they don't want to diminish their power. They don't want to be seen as, um, you know, someone at fault, but, but their people know anyways, people know when a problem has emerged and they, it, it simply erodes your trust if, if uh, you don't address it. Right. So I, I think one of the indicators of that is when they set the budget to solve the problem before they diagnose the problem. So we spend millions of dollars 
and solve something that we could have spent maybe a thousand for. So the biggest challenge that we have in our problem solving is take the money out of it and try to solve that problem without spending any money. And you're going to go at it differently because you're going to ask enough questions because one of my resources is not spending money. And if I can't spend money, then maybe I'll go down a better avenue. And I'm going to include different people so that I can make sure that I have the right problem because one of those, one of the solutions is not spending money. So we blind ourselves. We see this in our governments. We see this in large companies. Small companies don't have that option. And I think that was probably the biggest eye-opener that I ever saw was corporations can absorb a lot of incompetence. And that's a huge word. And it sounds like an accusation, but it's true. You get a little company that has one person that's out of step and the whole company's at risk. So in, as we're looking at this transition and people are not necessarily going back to the office and stuff, talk about importance of asking questions. If everybody's not right in the office and they can't observe the same thing and we're not asking questions, remote won't work. Doesn't matter what tools you have, doesn't matter how effective we think we are. If I don't know where people are in their understanding and how they're doing the job because I didn't ask questions, remote will, will dissolve. It, everybody will be back in the office within two years if we don't start asking questions and getting people trained. Because training is so important in companies. I can do more with three trained people than I can with 10 untrained people. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you had to focus in, I mean, obviously questions and being inquisitive and all of that, as we've been discussing is super important, but if there was just one skill that you could teach a leader, mm -hmm. um, that you could do training on within an organization with supervisors, yep. line managers, uh, leadership up and down the organizational hierarchy, what would be that key skill that you would focus on? I would teach them to move obstacles without taking away the work. So the thing that, you know, we've talked about this transition, it doesn't matter where you take that next step. If you can get the work done through the people and everybody is going in the right direction, you're leading. As soon as you sit down and you take away that task, you've diminished that person for one thing and you're doing the wrong job. And the whole organization, it's like taking a wheel off of a vehicle. You are important in the position you're in, but so is everybody else. So if you can learn to say to the right person, how can I help you? The, I guarantee you they know the answer. You just haven't asked them yet. There aren't very many people who are going to walk into your office and say, you know, if we had this tool, this would be different. One out of maybe 100 will do that. I happen to have been one of those. But that's because I can hear it. So if I can teach a leader or show a leader, which is even better, you stay back and you help them in this way, then I know I've got a leader. And they take the step up and they learn to do the role, but the work still gets done and it doesn't get done after 6 p.m. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a, a great approach. I mean, it, it in my mind, it comes back to creating psychological safety mm -hmm. in, in your workplace, amongst your team, yes. uh, having that kind of a culture, adopting a growth mindset, 
Mm -hmm. um, and, and recognizing, I mean, when we have that kind of a mindset, then what, what, what happens is we fundamentally, uh, um, approach obstacles differently, um, because they're, they're, uh, they're an opportunity. Uh, every challenge, every crisis, every obstacle is an opportunity, uh, to learn, to grow, uh, to develop further and prepare, you know, for the next thing uh, to pivot to, to, I mean, it's, it's the, the organizations um, and the leaders who, who are most able uh, to face obstacles and pivot when they're, when they're uh, staring, you know, this, this existential crisis in the face. Mm -hmm. um, those are the organizations that, that end up thriving yep. during the crises, you know, during the right. pandemic, who, has become filthy rich. It, it's the, I mean, I'm not saying that wealth is the, the number one indicator of success, but which companies have been mm -hmm. successful by that kind of an indicator, growth, okay. uh, revenues, uh, you know, all of that. It, it's the organizations that saw the opportunities within the crisis of the pandemic and were able to pivot and leverage their capacities to address the need that may have been different than what they had a plan to do. I bet most organizations didn't start 2020 thinking they were going to have to deal with all the stuff they had to deal with last year. Um, yet those organizations that were able to, to deal with it, ask the hard questions, challenge their assumptions, challenge the, the preconceived notions and the, and the traditions of their organization um, to, to swiftly and seamlessly pivot and move into, you know, the virtual workspace, uh, whatever, you know, the case may be with their products and services, they're the ones that have been able to do just fine. Um, and, and that's, that's the kind of culture, that's the kind of environment we need to foster, um, within our teams each and every day. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Very good. Well, so, I'm curious, as we get close to wrapping up here, um, we've talked about the importance of questions mm -hmm. in organizations. We've talked about the skill of facing and addressing um, obstacles and challenges. We've talked about unasked questions and the danger of that. Um, let's just take the last few minutes now and talk about this in our personal lives, um, because I think many of these principles apply to us in general. You know, I, I, people who listen to the podcast know I have a large family, wife and six children. Um, my, my home life is kind of a, a, a microcosm of another organization, right? Um, and and our, our relationships, uh, not that I want to, you know, diminish the quality of my family relationships by equating them to a workplace, but, um, you know, the depth of our relationships is largely built upon the trust that we um, establish with each other, the love, the genuine love and caring that we yes. um, create uh, within our family relationships. And as an individual, you know, my personal growth is driven by questioning um, my, my growth with my family and helping my children to grow uh, is promoted through questioning. What are some of the other things that you see, you know, in terms of the value just in our day to day lives of asking these questions? Well, I think it's interesting that you bring the children up because I have a four year old great niece, and she is just, you know, the light of all of our lives. And I noticed the difference in her when I ask her a question because she just stands a little taller, you know? So when we ask each other questions, we're actually making that other person our equal. If I never ask you a question, I'm telling you you're not as good as I am. But when I ask you a question, I genuinely wanna know we're eye to eye. 
because I'm listening and I'm tuned in. And when we can actually do that in a relationship of any kind, whether it's my aging parents or my niece or the great niece or, you know, my neighbors or whoever, I'm bringing that person into my realm and I'm valuing them. So many times we think we have to have an answer to give to someone. Why don't we give them the ability to give us an answer? Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I, I think that is so wise and so insightful and applies to every relationship that, that we have, whether it's in the workplace, at home, no, community, whatever. Well, Miley, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. I really appreciate your time, all of the, the great insights, uh, the wisdom that you shared with listeners. Before we close, I just wanted to give you a chance to share um, how listeners can get in touch with you, get connected, find out more about your work, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Well, the name of my program is Equip and Engage. And equipmentengage.com is out there. And you can take a look at what is there as far as a little bit of free training. I've got a YouTube channel that's called Ask More Questions, believe it or not. Um, And the same is true on Facebook. I have a group. I also connect with me on my profile, you know, on on my Facebook profile. I'm also on LinkedIn. It gives you a little bit more information about Equip and Engage more than about me because I really want people thinking along the lines of, As a leader, how do I equip my people in such a way that they know how to use the tools? They know what I expect. I don't have to preach because they know my values and they get engaged with me to do things that they never dreamed they could do before. Now that's leadership. And that is absolutely the height of leadership to take them places they didn't believe they could go. And that's what I always aspire to. So the name of the program is Equip and Engage, Get Connected, and let's ask more questions. Perfect. Thank you so much. It has been a real pleasure talking with you today. Uh, I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, to find out more about what Miley can do for you and your organization. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.